are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At seven, James, two defenders on him to Caldwell Pope inside. He's tied up by Green. Throws it back up top. James puts up the three. Oh, it's good. LeBron James from downtown as the shot clock expires. A desperation heave and the Lakers are up three. What is up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked on NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets. He is Tony East, host of Locked on Pacers. And we are here to break down all of this exciting NBA play-in tournament action. You ready, Tony? I am ready. It was a hell of a night of basketball. Both games were exciting, down-to-the-wire finishes. And it's impossible to not love playoff basketball or play-in basketball, whatever the technicality is when the games are like this. Right, just some really exciting all-around basketball. We're going to get to, obviously, we're talking Lakers-Warriors here in just a second. We're also going to to talk about the Grizzlies and Spurs, but uh, unfortunately, David's not here. He's taken, he's taken the day to pour over some more Rudy Gobert screen assist footage, but that's cool because Tony and I have you covered for today. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Now, Tony, just the the entirety of this game between LA and the, and and Golden State. I mean, this was some of hands down some of the best basketball I've I've witnessed in recent memory. And there was like some serious like grunge match, like playoff intensity going on there. And personally, the guy that impressed me the most in this game, uh, Draymond Green. Like he was holding it down defensively so much. For the Warriors, basically guarding two, sometimes three guys consistently every single possession. Just and this is coming from a guy who's you know looking at this through Rockets tinted shades. Draymond was just everywhere in this game. Draymond's defense was absolutely ridiculous. He played over forty-one minutes. Warriors tied those minutes. He made AD's life just absolute hell the whole game. AD finished with twenty-five points on twenty-four shots because. Draymond, like I just said, made everything impossible for him, up in his grill on every shot, every action, everything. And then he he often was matched up with LeBron, did an excellent job on him. And then Draymond on offense also was amazing. Like the things that he does for this Warriors team on offense are the stuff that's like almost boring, but you know, the quick decisions, the screens, always moving, helping Steph get open when he's moving like crazy. He had eight assists. He had the he had almost half of the Warriors assists in this game because he's so good at his connection with Steph and moving and finding guys who are cutting and it was just an absolutely brilliant game from him. He was maybe the maybe not the best warrior because Steph Curry exists, but uh, he definitely kept the Warriors in this game for almost the entirety of the game. Speaking of the best warrior, Steph Curry walks away with 37 points on 12 of 23 shooting, 6 of 9 from behind the arc, 7 boards, 3 assists. I mean, just another night at the office for Steph Curry. And the Warriors carried a pretty substantial 13-point lead at halftime. And, Tony, I think one of the crazy things for me about these these play-in games, right, where they're just... They're not quite single elimination in the sense that in this one, the Warriors will have another chance against the Grizzlies. Uh, And we're going to talk about that in segment three a little bit uh, about some of the biggest storylines heading into the remaining play-in games for the teams that are still left standing, still fighting for that final eighth seed in their respective conferences. 
But I think the crazy thing for me, Tony, is the fact that these teams don't have the opportunities that they would normally have in, say, a traditional seven-game series format to make adjustments and really see, okay, well, this is where he was really hurting us. How do we adjust this next game? You don't get that chance in these playing games. It's you got to get it figured out or you're done for. And the fact that the Lakers were able to turn things around in the second half I really felt like they didn't do enough attacking of Steph Curry in that first half. And then it really felt like in the second half, they realized their mistake and they put, they basically put Curry in a blender and tried to include him in almost every single offensive action that they were running. Yeah. Some coaches are better at, you know, between game adjustments. They can look at the film and say, Oh, here's what we did wrong. And then fix it for the next game in a series. That's a wonderful trait to have. And then you've guys like Frank Vogel. And as someone who covers the Pacers, I'm very intimate with Frank, Frank Vogel's genius, especially defensively but he's good at those in-game adjustments like you said so you hit a game like this when it's a best of one and having that halftime adjustment to come out run a little more action at Curry and you know defensively they went at him more he had he ended up with six turnovers the Warriors had a ton of turnovers down the stretch of this game some of the adjustments he was making like you said one of them was attacking Curry more often Schroeder was was going at him like crazy when when Steph was on him or KCP even a few times uh, in this game, Caruso, uh, who had an, an awesome game as well. They were all going at Curry, putting him, like you said, in the blender in those actions, making him work defensively, which, A, makes his life harder on offense because he doesn't have as much energy to expend on that end of the floor, and, B, they're already swarming him on that end of the floor anyway. They put more of an emphasis on him after he hit a ridiculous shot right before halftime. So those adjustments that Vogel made and, and sent his team out there with you know a better game plan in the second half were huge in a best of one. LeBron James in this one winning with the the, the game winning three pointer, uh, you know walks away twenty two points, eleven boards, ten assists, another triple double for LeBron James in this. Well, and this is where where are we categorizing these stats? Because they're not playoff stats, they're not regular season stats. Do we have any idea where these are going to go? Like when you look them up on Basketball Reference, Tony. Uh, I, I do not. What what are what statistical purgatory? That's where these will be. Oh my goodness! All right, well LeBron James with what. What is this the first triple double or did Russ have a triple double the other night? I, uh, mean, I don't think Russ did get the assist, so it might be the first ever play in triple double. All right. Well, there we go. We're setting records all around the place. And then Anthony Davis with 25 points, most of his work coming in the second half. He had a pretty subpar first half in this game. And I remember at one point, surprisingly, Alex Caruso was like the first Laker in double figures. Like he was kind of holding it down. Uh, as he as he is one to do for the for the LA Lakers, kind of I don't want to say the unsung hero because Caruso does get his fair share of love, but a guy that I really kind of stood out to me in this in this one was Juan Toscano Anderson. Was it felt like he was everywhere for a stretch of this game where he was doing things offensively, defensively, uh, just everywhere in this one. He looked fearless. He has a great nose for the ball. He always has. But in you know in a game like this where the intensity is ramped up and every play is under the microscope, a guy like that is so important. His six rebounds were wonderful. A lot of his buckets were really tough or really shifty and impressive. And, of course, a guy like that who would run through a brick wall and isn't afraid of anything is going to play solid defense as he did the whole game. He was one of the Warriors' better players in this game, I thought. Honestly, some of their role players did not have awesome games. But I agree with you. Toscano Anderson was one of those guys who – Really stepped up, really fit a role for that team, and, and played well on both ends of the floor. A guy who impressed me that I want to talk about, Wesley Matthews. Wesley Matthews played 15, 14 and a half minutes and was a plus 17. The Warriors outscored, excuse me, the Lakers outscored the Warriors by 17 points in his few minutes. His defense was excellent and a big part. They were they were stuck sticking him on Curry uh, more often in the second half, and his defense was a huge part of their of their comeback and his performance, despite not being much on offense, was excellent. 
Yeah, Wesley Matthews definitely changed the flow of this game in the second half. A lot of Warriors turnovers, and that's the area that they're going to be looking back on. You know, if, if they go back to look at this game and try to figure out what went wrong, it was the insane amount of turnovers that were being forced in the second half of this game. Now, Tony, how did you feel about that that play to kind of wrap things up? For I mean, kind of a two-parter here for me. Leading into that final sequence, right, the Warriors looked like they were just going to go without calling a timeout at first. And you've got Steve Kerr bounding up the sideline, just begging to call a timeout. And so how did you feel about their plan to try and attack without calling a timeout? And then did you think that, you know, the the play just got blown up too easily at the end? Or give me give me your thoughts, man. I think they were trying to get Curry the ball you know, before the timeout, and they couldn't do it, right? The, the Lakers were prepared to shut him down and not even and deny him the ball, and that's what made Kerr want to call a timeout is obviously you want Steph to be the guy shooting in that situation, and you're, he, you know, he, he was well across half court onto the Lakers' side trying to get that timeout. They probably lost three seconds there uh, just from that, but, yeah, I think that that's what was going on because, they, you know, Curry ran towards the ball. I forget who was dribbling, and I think it was Wiggins, and they couldn't get it to him, and then he spun and tried to do another handoff and get it to him, and it didn't work. Then they called a timeout, um, and the play after the sequence I think was okay. They kind of got Steph a little bit, a step ahead of Anthony Davis running out to the three-point line, so he got a little bit of free, but the inbounds pass was not particularly great. Some contact between Davis and Curry, so the pass being a little too far behind meant that it was easy to you know, get interfere with and intercept, and another turnover story of the Warriors game down the stretch, uh, and it, there you go. There's your game. Coming up, we're talking Grizzlies and Spurs, the other playing game from this evening. Not quite the fireworks that the Warriors-Lakers game had, but still a very great game in its own right. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, whereas rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. They always offer you the lowest possible prices rather than changing their prices around based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And this is the really important part. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com And moving along here at Locked On NBA Thursday, Tony, the... Grizzlies-Spurs game looked like it was going to be kind of a snooze fest out of the gate, and it looked like we were going to be over three on on interesting playing games. And then suddenly it turned into a, a pretty legitimate game with some back and forth and a, a pretty solid finish. Give me your first takeaway from this one. Yeah, the, I agree with you about that assessment in the first quarter, and we're going to say this guy's name about 100 times in this segment, but Valanchunas just was eating up the Spurs, right? He was in, unbelievable. He swallowing up every rebound on defense when the Spurs would miss. Looked great in the paint. The The Spurs didn't have a good answer for his size and speed uh, in the paint. So a lot of pick and rolls for him was setting stuff up. They had Jaron Jackson sprinting around and hitting threes despite him being very tall. And, you know, very tough coverage. The Grizzlies looked awesome. And then the Spurs bench came in and the whole game flipped on its head. They, they were able to, I think they tied it up at one point in the second quarter. Grizzlies were still up at halftime because Valanchunas came back in, but it was a crazy game because when it was starters versus starters, 
the Grizzlies looked incredible. They looked like substantially the better team, and they ended up winning as a result of that. But when the benches were in, I mean, the Spurs looked like way like way better. Patty Mills was phenomenal off for this in the in the in the Spurs second unit. So yeah, early in this game, I thought, oh no, here we go again, another play-in blowout, another you know pack it up. We'll see a Friday game, and then this one turned out to be wonderful thanks to the back and forth between the two units. Yeah, Valanciunas walking away with an absurd 23 points, 23 rebounds. Hey, another purgatory record. Probably the the first 2020 <laughs> game of the play-in series. I mean, just a an absurd. I, he had at one point he had nine rebounds, but like I think he had a double double by the end of the first quarter. I mean, his presence could not be denied, and the Spurs really didn't have a singular answer for him. And then Dylan Brooks, who is just a guy that plays with so much confidence anytime I get the chance to watch him play. And here's my thing is, right, like, look, Tony, even though I cover the Rockets full-time, like... The Grizzlies are like my sleeper like team that I root for. Like they're my they're my like closet bandwagon team because I love John Morant. I love what he brings to the table. And personally, I think that the Grizzlies are like what everybody and what like the NBA media at large wanted Zion and the Pelicans to be. Like they're this young, exciting upstart team with a super exciting, like, you know, a blooming star, all of this. And the Grizzlies should be getting the media attention that the Pelicans get, and they're not. And it's sort of disappointing to me. I also quite like the Grizzlies, first of all, because they had Indy native Mike Conley, and now they have Indy native Jaron Jackson Jr., but also for similar reasons too. Their young players are super fun. They fit very well together. They've done team building perfectly, right? The way that if, you, if you're a person who likes slow rebuilds, they've kind of gone slow at the same time. It's gone faster because John Morant is exceptional already, right? If you like a team that adds some vets to try to get better, look at that. They have Valanchunas. They got Kyle Anderson. They just got a little something for everybody. They have fun, athletic guys. They have good defenders. Dylan Brooks, like you brought up, and to bring it up in this game specifically, Dylan Brooks made DeRozan's life absolute hell in this game. DeRozan, I, I've used that phrase way too many times for one show, but DeRozan, 20 points on 21 shots. Dylan Brooks was all over him. His defense was absurd in this game. Um, so tons of credit to him and this Grizzlies team for coming out, you know, and, and tons of credit to the Grizzlies organization for creating a roster that um, is ready to go for a playing game and looks supremely better than the 10th seed in the West. So can they beat the Warriors? We'll talk about that later, but they looked very good in this game at times. Rudy Gay off the bench was huge for the Spurs, and I got to a point where I, I really thought the, the Grizzlies kind of had this game under wraps, man. And, you know, it's 99-93. Desmond Bain just hit, you know, his second free throw, gives him a, a six-point cushion with, you know, 13 seconds left. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this game is basically over. Like, I'm ready to turn the game off. I'm ready to take, like, a slight breather and just kind of prepare for Lakers-Warriors. And then suddenly, Rudy Gay, as Rudy Gay is one to do in the playoffs— playoff Rudy Gay hits a three and I'm like okay suddenly this is like a real game again um I didn't think that anything was going to happen after that because the Spurs were out of timeouts at that point it was you know it was a long shot but it was one of those where this game really did kind of go not quite all the way down to the wire but it was a really hard-fought game a lot of back and forth you got to give credit to the Spurs guys you know another well-coached Greg Popovich squad who just knows how to play basketball the right way, I guess. Like, they just keep their composure. Um, they went down by, what was it, as many as, uh, what was the largest lead? The Grizzlies were up by as many as 21 in this game. And it was that second quarter, you mentioned the bench unit coming in and kind of, you know, reasserting their dominance, but it was really just, they came in and things just, 
They never panicked. They never freaked out. And you could kind of see the youth a little bit on display from the Grizzlies as they as shots weren't falling in that second quarter, as the Spurs were catching back up. And we talk about it all, all the time. The NBA is a game of runs. And the Spurs kept their composure and were able to fight themselves back into this game. Unfortunately, not enough to, you know, fight on and, and, and live to fight another day in the play-in tournament, unfortunately. Yeah, Rudy Gay, some huge shots in the fourth quarter. He had two separate shots that cut the lead to four. And then he hit a three that you mentioned earlier to cut the lead to three. And Morant missed the first free throw after that after that three that cut it to three, right? So there's about nine seconds left. And the Spurs were one free throw away, a missed free throw away from having the ball and a chance to tie, right? They they played the end of the game very well. Rudy Gay making shots down the stretch after kind of stinking it up for the first three quarters was a big part of that. He came up huge. He was, uh, the Spurs had the lead in, in the middle of the fourth, right? They they really, like you said, kept their composure, had their bench unit come in and make some awesome plays to keep him in it. Gorgie Jang deserves a lot of flowers for the way he played down the stretch of this game as well. Of all people, a former Grizzly coming in for a revenge game. And you're right, the youth totally showing their development. They had some tough offensive nights from Lonnie Walker and DeJounte Murray and Devin Vassell, honestly. But those guys all played some solid defense at times throughout the game. Murray played 39 minutes. The Spurs won his minutes, right? He he was phenomenal in this game uh, when he was playing with that second unit as well. So so a bright future for the Spurs, I think. I like a lot of their young guys. Jakob Pertl showed off his rim protection as well at times, but he didn't have the strength to guard Valanchunas and when the Grizzlies put in their best foot forward and put their best unit in the court or on the court, Taylor Jenkins team just looked looked like the better team, and they deserved this win. They like the things you credited the Spurs for. Popovich deserves credit for composing his team. I think Taylor Jenkins similarly, you know, they blew a big lead in the second half. They were losing, and then he puts in his best lineup, rallies the troops, and they get a win. I think that is also very impressive, especially from a young coach and a young team. Coming up, Tony and I are going to be tackling the biggest storylines for the remaining play-in teams, Indiana, Washington, Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've got baseball season in full swing. NBA playoffs right around the corner as we exit the play-in purgatory section of the season. You can also get NHL news. You can get UFC odds, MMA, everything over at BetOnline. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Go over to BetOnline. Use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And another message from Built Bar. Look, if you've never had a protein bar that you've actually enjoyed, you've like cracked it open and you're just like, oh, it's such a chore to like eat my protein bar, you've got to check out Built Bar. They are the best protein bars on the market. And the reason why the secret for Built Bar is they're basically candy bars that are jam-packed with protein. They've got so many delicious flavors to choose from. Raspberry, mint chocolate brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, my personal favorite, the coconut brownie chunk. They're all so great. And every single bar, right, they're all low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And here we go, final segment, Locked on NBA Thursday. I am Jackson Gatlin with my man Tony East. Now, Tony... We're going into now. We're we're kind of venturing into your domain now. Did you set me up for this? You were just like, you know what? We got to talk some Pacers basketball. 
I'll sound the most intelligent I've sounded this whole podcast for uh, the Pacers Wizards portion of this final segment. So, yes, I did set myself up for success. I'm proud of me. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, you know what? J- just because of that, we're going to start <laughs> with we want to we want to finish on a bang. So we're going to start with Golden State Warriors and <laughs> Memphis it, Grizzlies because I'm going to stick to my conference. No, anyways. So, I mean, it's so funny, right? You know, earlier this week on the Monday edition of Locked on NBA, I chatted with Wes Goldberg, and we talked about the fact that the Warriors and Grizzlies just played their final regular season game to decide who was going to be 8th and ninth, respectively, in the play-in tournament. And we talked about the fact that this very well could have been a rematch, depending on what happened with the Lakers-Warriors series and obviously the the Grizzlies-Spurs series. And now we're going to get this electric rematch between these two teams again. I'm really excited to see this rematch between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. It was a fun game uh, when it happened this past weekend, and it's going to be another fun game uh, in this in this upcoming uh, bout. Yeah, anytime Steph scores over 40 points, it's a lock for a fun game, right? The way he scores is just electric. 46 points, 9 assists, and 7 rebounds as well. He was absolutely ridiculous. Grizzlies had no answers, or minimal answers, I should say. For him, and this game goes back to something I we talked about earlier on this podcast with the adjustments from coaches between games versus in games. Taylor Jenkins is a very good NBA coach to me, and I think that I'll be well. I guess I think I'll be curious to see what he can come up with to change uh, between that game from this weekend and now. He's only about a five day gap. What can he change from his coverages to make things harder on Steph? Because that's got to be the 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 key for the Grizzlies in this game is how can they make life harder on him, right? Wiggins, we just saw against the Lakers, can play very well in the right setting. Kent Bazemore had a great game as well. You know, although Jordan Poole did as well. If those guys have a similar performance that they did against the Lakers and you don't stop Curry, you just lose. You have no chance against this Warriors team. So they, they've got to find a way to slow him down for less than 46, obviously, if they want to win. And there's a lot on the line. There's a playoff spot on the line. So a very interesting game. You know, and I wonder if there's a little bit of hope there in the fact that they did slow down the Spurs guards as well as they did uh, in this in this first play in matchup that they had that maybe they they have figured out a better scheme of, you know, handling uh, Steph Curry moving forward in this one. But another big question mark for me is going to be how well does Draymond Green handle the mountain that is Jonas Valanciunas, right? (laughs) Does Jonas look as unstoppable against the Warriors as he did against the Spurs. Uh, My answer from years of watching Draymond Green torment the Houston Rockets is probably no. He does such an amazing job of using his leverage, even though he's a smaller defender. I mean... Just in this game alone against the Lakers, he put on a masterclass in defense, you know, leveraging himself against bigger dudes in Andre Drummond, in Anthony Davis. He's got a ridiculously large wingspan, and he utilizes that to his advantage, plays the pick and roll really well. And so I'm going to be really interested to see how he matches up specifically with Valanchunas and, you know, depending on how they run things, because I I don't think they're going to put Looney on on Valanciunas. That's just my like outside take is I'm imagining Looney's probably going to match up with Triple J and then they're going to leave Draymond to deal with just the massive behemoth of a dude that Valanciunas is. They certainly tried Looney on Valanciunas over the weekend. Uh, Looney played 31 minutes. That did not work. Valanciunas had 29 and 16. So, you know, we've seen how well he can do against this Warriors team and Draymond Green as well as as good as he is at defending and reading pick and rolls and stuff there's just there becomes a certain size and speed threshold that you know when you're six foot nine you just you can't handle it anymore uh so I think Draymond can do a great job on him and like you said you listed all the reasons why 
But he, you know, he scored 29 points for a reason. He was the Grizzlies' best player in that game. The cross matchups in this game will be fascinating, right? Dylan Brooks, who we just talked about and you brought up, right? What can they take from the Spurs game? Did Osman DeRozan. He also did really well on Curry over the weekend. Despite Curry scoring 46 points, Dylan Brooks did a fantastic job on him, right? So maybe they need to do that more. Maybe they need more Dylan Brooks on Curry, but then he's exhausted for offense. Did you get less of his 18 points? So trying to hide guys, trying to find the right matchups, right? How do you get a guy on Valanciunas who can actually slow him down? How do you get Draymond Green involved on defense if he's not on Valanciunas, right? All that stuff's going to be absolutely fascinating in this game. Should we make a prediction, Tony? Is that what we should do? Well, I want to ask you, who has more at stake in this game? <sighs> I, I think if we're talking, who has more at stake, it's got to be the Warriors, right? Like, I mean, the, the Grizzlies, right? They're the young, up-and-coming team. They're trying to establish themselves. The Warriors are this team that they're kind of you know, clinging on to, to hope that they can, you know, make a little noise in the playoffs. And obviously they've been beleaguered by by injuries and some roster turnover. And this is not the Warriors of old, unfortunately. it's It feels like at times it's Steph and Dre against the world. Um, and, you know, this is, I think for them, it'd be more of a statement for them to, to make the noise and win this and make it to the playoffs and then, you know, maybe take a game or two off the Utah Jazz and mean more to their organization than it would for the Grizzlies but I can kind of see it both ways, right? Like the Grizzlies are trying to establish themselves in the NBA and, you know, making it into the playoffs is a big moment for for Jenkins and for the rest of that squad to be able to say, yeah, we, we fought our way in through the play-in tournament and we made it to the eighth seed, even if we're about to get waxed by the Jazz in the first round. Like that's still a cool accomplishment for a young group of guys to then further build on. I agree with you on basically all of that. Yeah, and, and you know, the Warriors, like next year could be the last year of their run with Curry. And this awesome team, right? It, they're aging out, so this could be another chance for them to at least have some playoff success. And all the pressure's on them. There's no pressure on the Grizzlies in this game at all, right? So I agree with you that the Warriors are. Um, the more is on the line for them. All right, Tony. It's, it's time for you to shine. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> all right. So we're, we're going to, I mean, and this has been such a, just a phenomenal season for the Pacers, man. No, it has <laughs> not. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to set you up, man. I'm trying to help you out here. <laughs> no, so I guess for me, I, my my biggest question is, you know, Pacers if they win this game, and I'm saying if because I don't know, I really don't know who my favorite is in this game, honestly. You know, I think the the Wizards have a legit shot because, but they're they're so like up and down with their role players, and it really depends on what versions of of Russ and Beal you get on a nightly basis. They were one of the hottest teams in the NBA going to the playing tournament, and then they just they looked really rough against Boston. So my thing for you is is does this does winning this game potentially change anything with Nate Bjorkren? Does it change how the front office maybe views what the situation looks like after a down year? Where are you coming in at? Uh, no. Before I expand, no, it does not change anything for him. I think he would have to win a series. Like I think they would have to beat the 76ers for much to change on that front, given what I, I, I have heard and what the speculation is and what all the rumors are. But, you know, you, you got to make the playoffs first. I'm sure he wants to. He's at, he, he is a good X's and O's coach, right? They, they had a perfect game plan for the Hornets on Tuesday. Um, but, you know, if we talked about, like we just did with Warriors-Grizzlies, who has more on the line— the Pacers made a coaching change last offseason, and they were the four seed last year in the bubble. And they made this coaching change with the thought of, let's improve and win around in the playoffs. And they might not even make it, so they have a ton on the line in that regard. So it's definitely going to be interesting for Bjorkren to see how he can do, if he can propel his team through a best-of-one into the postseason after quite the tumultuous last month of uh, the regular season for the Pacers. Which matchup are you looking forward to the most in this one? 
Oh gosh, there's so many good ones. Um, you know, the, the, it's interesting because the Wizards are clearly constructed more guard heavily, right? Beal is incredible, and 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 Westbrook is incredible. While the Pacers are played through the post a lot more, Sabonis was the driver of their offense against the Hornets. And the opposite team in both instances doesn't necessarily have the perfect answers for those things. So those guys have just feasted in the the matchups between these teams all season. So I think the best matchup for me is going to be Westbrook versus Brogdon because it's the you know it's the two best players that play the same position in this game. Brogdon in theory has the tools physically to make life a little harder for us, although that hasn't really manifested itself during the season. The Wizards won all three meetings between the teams, um, but in theory he could. Right, he's tall enough and has the strength to do stuff. Uh, to make his life hell when he is playing defense on him. And he can shoot the three. He played a nice game for the Pacers against the Hornets in their first playing game. So he's clearly talented. I think that's going to be the matchup because Russ, his stats against the Pacers this regular season, like they look, they looked fake. He ended up with um, with averages of, I can't find them. They were on the show. Oh, 27.3 points, 18 rebounds, and 20 assists per game against the Pacers this year. I know you know Russ very well from last season, but that matchup's going to be fascinating. If Russ looks like he did, at the end of the season, instead of how he did against the Celtics, you have to imagine the Wizards are the favorites. If he looks like he did against the Celtics, and maybe there's an injury involved there, you know, he left the game early. Who knows? But that's going to be my matchup to watch is Brogdon versus Westbrook. My uh, One of my biggest regrets is not seeing a healthy Russell Westbrook in the playoffs as a Houston Rocket. And if he's, you know, beleaguered by an, yet another injury, um, you know, preventing him from being his 100%, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook's self, like, I mean, he truly is a, a transcendent basketball player. Um, the, the way that he uh, approaches the game and, you know, look, I've, I've done my run right with Russell Westbrook, with the Westbrook stands and watching Russell Westbrook play basketball is some of the most exciting basketball I've ever had a chance to watch. Um, you know, when you watch him on a nightly basis, you really see how much he impacts the game. Does he take possessions off defensively? Sure. Does he fall asleep? Sometimes? Sure, whatever. You know, does he take some ill-advised shots occasionally offensively? Absolutely. But the tenacity and the drive that he plays with every single night cannot be questioned. The dude wants to go out there and win at the highest level, and it just sucks that potentially now in two consecutive postseasons, his body might not be at the level where it needs to be for him to be able to go full throttle the the, the way that he, he wants to and is capable of doing, uh, you know, on a nightly basis and really kind of elevating a team to that next level. Now, Tony, we did, we didn't we didn't do a prediction on the last one unfortunately. We kind of we kind of rolled <laughs> we still past can. that. One. We'll do them both back to back. Okay, all right. Well, then how do, do you want to do your prediction first? Do you want me to go? How do you want to do this? Um the let's do the Pacers Wizards first cuz we were just flowing from talking about that. I'll go first on that one just because I'm literally writing an article about that game right now. I think that if either Beal or Westbrook is is close to 100% health-wise, the Wizards will win. They have just the perfect matchups to beat the Pacers. They beat them all three times in the regular season because of it. But injuries kind of make this game a swing. We've seen Beal holding his hamstring a lot in live action of late. Again, Russ leaving that game early, also showing signs of a limp at one point in the fourth quarter. If both of them aren't at 100%, I think the Pacers have a good chance of winning. They have ways they can score points easily against this team. But if one of them is good to go, full throttle for 48 minutes or however long they play, I think the Wizards will win. But it'll be a fascinating game. I'm kind of leaning with you in the Wizards pick in in that department. I really do think that when you have two guys like that, it, it is dependent on their health. But, you know, either one of them, 
you know, it, it really, they just need, I think, one to have, you know, a really explosive kind of one of those transcendent type games that they're both very, very capable of doing. Um, and then I do think it does tie into a little bit. They, they do need some support from the role players. Um, you know, I was looking at the, the Celtics game and just staring down the lineup. I mean, Davis Bertans, what, didn't hit a single three-pointer or was like one for seven or something like that. You know, not absolutely not living up to the $20 million a year that he's being paid for. Um so uh, they definitely need a bit more support from their supporting cast. But as you kind of already illustrated, it really depends on on their health and how they step up. But I am definitely leaning Wizards in this one. So that's unfortunate for your Pacers, Tony. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I think that I actually think like my gut says the like I might not have prefaced what I said perfectly, but I, my, my gut says the Pacers win because I don't think the health of those guys is perfect. But in reality, you know, they did lose to the Wizards three times this season, and I understand why they would lose. But you're the Western Conference expert who's winning Grizzlies-Warriors. I'm le- It's going to be Warriors. I think that <laughs> for, for reasons that we already saw, you know, on display against the Spurs, right, the Warriors are a team that's been there, done that with a, a core group of their guys. Obviously, the, the faces have kind of changed, but you've still got Steve Kerr at the helm, still Steph Curry, still Draymond Green. And frankly, I think that pedigree is what's going to win out in this game against the against the Grizzlies. I think we kind of already saw that play out. Uh, granted, Steph Curry had a 46 piece, uh, you know, on the way to doing this already. But I think the Warriors are just. I don't. I don't want to say that they're the more talented team because I, I think that's a disservice to the Grizzlies. I think they're an extremely talented team with a very bright future and an exciting future. Um, not so great for the Rockets sitting in the Southwest Division with all this talent uh, in New Orleans and the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies. It's all kinds of fun. But I do think the Warriors take the edge in this one. Where are you going in this matchup, Tony? I'm picking the Warriors, too. The simple reason is that the best player in this game is on their team. Steph Curry is the best player in this game. In theory, he's better than LeBron, but we all know what LeBron can be in the postseason. He hit the biggest shot of the night. It was ridiculous. And we didn't even talk about him potentially not being able to see very well. But beyond that, for this game, I'm picking the Warriors because they have the best player. And for a little anecdote stuff, I think they have the playoff experience. Like you said, we saw that come to fruition in Pacers Hornets. The young Hornets have no postseason experience with their current roster. They got done early. They couldn't get the mentality right to recover and get back in the game. The Warriors have the playoff experience, obviously, the Grizzlies do not. I think that if the Warriors can get a nice 10-point cushion at any point in this game, they will just cruise the rest of the way. So I am picking the Warriors, though I will be happy for the Grizzlies if they're able to pull it off as well. Indiana-Washington coming up. We've got Warriors-Grizzlies. Those games are going to be must-watch games. Hopefully you've enjoyed our coverage, our breakdowns, everything that we put on here today. Quick reminder that... Uh, unfortunately, Steph Curry wasn't enough for the Warriors against the Lakers. You can hear about that and more. You can get all the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Tony, my man, where can people track you down at? You bet. I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA, mostly tweeting Pacers, although in the playoffs I will be tweeting about all sorts of basketball-related topics. And, of course, Locked on Pacers. If you want to hear a Pacers-Wizards preview, we got one up. Uh, for the game, it's uh, for you listening, it's today. So go check that out before the game starts. 
And you can find me on Twitter at JT Gatlin for all the Houston Rockets musings. If you'd like to come see me toil in despair as the Rockets stare down uh, the 52.1% chance odds of retaining their pick in this year's NBA draft, hashtag fade for Cade, all that great stuff. But that is going to do it for another episode of Locked on NBA. Don't forget to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and on the new Odyssey app. Drop some stars, leave a review, and share the show with your friends and family. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on NBA.